0: And I've got some advice for you, little buddy. Before you point your finger, you should know that I'm the man. And if you're the man, he's the man, and you're the man as well. (laughs) So you can point that fucking finger up your This week. We're covering tools. Anima? Is it Anima? It's Anima, right? Anima.
1: We're
2: going to go with Anima. Welcome to the Essential Albums Podcast, where three guys from 85 have a conversation about some of the biggest albums ever and forgotten favorites from yesteryear. We'll dive into an album's place in culture, discuss its merits, and decide if a record holds up and is worth your time. Of course, we get into a lot more than that. So join longtime friends Ryan, Denise, and Gordon as uh, as we dive into our favorite albums and Real some of the classics. All right, so yeah, Anima this week by by Tool. Um, I'll just give a, a disclaimer just right out front. I, before this week, I, I didn't really know much about Tool. I never really listened to him that much. So if I start talking like out of line or my my information's kind of out of nowhere, feel free to correct me, stop me, let me know. You guys have way more experience with this band than I do.
0: Yeah, we'll keep you in line. Don't worry. Yeah,
2: keep me <laughs> in check. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I'm really interested to hear uh, your answers to like our questions that we usually have uh, for this band since, I mean, a lot of mine will kind of be, very easy one word answers a lot of the time so, um, so
0: well so, like Gordon where did you like before this album or before like doing this album mm-hmm. what was your experience of Tool like did was there any songs that you liked or that you latched on to so
2: I I kind of missed out on like it felt like in high school there was like a moment where like everybody was really into Tool it was probably was was it Laterals when that came out yeah. Um, yeah but like it seemed like everyone was really into Tool And I never really like I saw some of the singles I downloaded some of the songs so like I I knew like sober and uh, like some tracks from the first album. And I didn't know which album they were from it was just random tracks that I downloaded, I think I mixed together on like a system of a down CD that I burned for myself. Um, So I was really just kind of out to lunch uh, with this band I like. I, a buddy in high school once told me they're like oh man you got to get into this band like they they isolated for months when they wrote their like one album like they lived in darkness and did all these like crazy things to like and they just seemed like this crazy band and i yeah i just totally missed the train on that okay. i don't know how how, how do you, how'd you guys get into tool or what was your experience with tool
0: i suspect that both of us i mean all of us didn't really come at this from metal like i I'm not, i don't really listen to a lot of metal gordon I don't think you do not really no. any that so it's not that's not probably where we came from so I don't know like what I don't know any what latched you on the tool
1: uh for me tool it was funny because at first it was just a name like it was just a name tool uh I remember when my my brother again who's a few years old, older when he was in high school and he was like telling me about people he was meeting and he's like like people were in tool shirts and corn shirts and at the time i was like didn't really know didn't really know who those bands were and uh this was i guess around the time this album was coming out but at, again like 94 95 is when i started like listening watching a lot of much music so it was that just seeing their song on much music so after i knew the name and i heard the song i'm like well this stink fist song is pretty cool
0: stink fist it was Stinkfist. yeah
1: there was a music video like they rarely played it but they played it at night and my tv was just much music all day much music or tsn but uh much music all day and uh so like seeing that music video i'm like whoa this video is weird the song is like cool and it wasn't really like i guess it's metal but at, at the time i feel like i was prepared for something that heavy from getting into rock with like the nirvana and all that stuff and you know even some of the bands like silver chair's second album was getting heavier and at the time it seemed like i was primed for that kind of more aggressive music but and yeah. like raging the machine as well but how about you ryan same was it this album as well or uh no you know what it was it was it was some burn
0: cd of yours again it, i don't think it was a bang it was like there was a <laughs> few there's a whole bunch of collection of of tool on this this burn cd and i was listening to it in class and like at first I remember like not getting it, not really being into it. I'm like, okay, what's going on? These songs are so long. Like, what am I waiting for? Where's, where's yeah. the sing song in parts? How, the, everything's so weird. I can't predict anything. Right. And, but, yeah. but it, I, it was sober that got me. I was like, okay. Cause sober is like more of a pop song as far as tool goes. Yeah, It's like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, there's a, you know, a, a great sing-along chorus to it. So once I got that, it's like the language of Tool, the elements, sort of, I started to really become attached to. And that was a bridge to, you know, the greatness of the, the big epics.
1: Yeah. Know. Yeah, see, for, for me, like hearing... Uh, Stinkfest, It was probably a, a little bit after the album actually came out. I'm not sure when I heard it. I don't remember, but uh, I, I but I do remember my cousin bought the CD. So I would just kind of hear it at his house. So he kind of introduced me to songs like one at a time. You know, at first, you know, you were a kid, so it's like check out the songs called "Hooker Hooker with a Penis." Like to this song, and oh, I, yeah. I remember. Then he showed me like "Anima," and I love love like the title track was great. And then it was just sort of one song at a time. And then once I got the CD. At some point, probably if I had to guess, probably like 98, 99, like 98 is probably when I got the CD for myself. And I just remember being like, whoa, this is like really cool. And just even some of the longer songs, like I, I was writing, like, like listening to this album, just taking notes. I'm like, like a song like Eulogy with the bigger intro. I'm like, this song taught me patience in music, like just to yes. wait for it. Because I remember a lot of times, you know, you listen to the first 20 seconds and maybe you might skip just to kind of get a feel for the album when you're young, especially with CDs, it's just so easy to do. And I remember like, just being like, oh, wait, no, if you wait, like the song, there's more to it than just the first 30 seconds. So it's like I was discovering these songs almost slowly over time. But yeah, it was just like.
0: That's totally true. Like you listen to it differently. It's almost mm-hmm. more like like classical music because it's not so predictable. So in yeah. order to know what's gonna happen next, in order to like know what to look forward to, be like, oh, I can't wait for this part. You have to listen to it a few times, and those first few times, you're like, this is probably what Gordon didn't listen to it. He's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. <laughs> you got to actually like force yourself to let it sink in, and then you once you put you know once you have some patience you get to experience the tension and then the release you, you understand yeah. what, why it's worth it. But mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I did take a chance. Like I remember in, in college, so it's sort of been probably like Oh four or 05, I like was starting to get more into like progressive rock and stuff like that, like oh, Mogwai yeah. and things like that. Um, so I, I took a chance and I did go out and buy lateralis and I think I listened to it like maybe twice and then I, I just kind of sat on my shelf. So I don't yeah. now, now after doing this week though, I, I, I do have a different appreciation for tool after doing like some of the research, I feel like I, I probably did a little bit of like that high school dive deep dive that like a lot of people did kind of, I did it this week instead of 20 years ago or yeah, 25 there, years ago.
1: You're definitely a band that when you listen, cause yeah, like I was introduced with Anima, then I went back and got undertow and then they came back with later Alice. So that was sort of my, and I heard Opiate during that time as well. I don't know if I bought it or downloaded it. I can't remember. But they're one of those bands where you listen album to album, you can see that progression and how they've slowly morphed into the what they become on the next album. Yeah. So jumping in, especially on an album like Later Alice, I can see how it could be more alienating because you don't have the background of Undertow or Anima. i feel like after the after the first two jumping in a little later you kind of have to be more open to proggy music or heavier music or just kind of have a different understanding than just jumping in with like a later alice i can see how it can be daunting or just these songs are long and like i don't really understand what's going on yeah yeah.
2: like i for me it was like i'm like i don't know any of these other songs like i knew sober and prison sex before I bought that album. And then I'm like, I know Schism from like, that was a really big song at the time or three or four years earlier. Um, so that was like, I'm like based off the strength of that song, I, I'll give it a shot. But yeah, you're right. I think I probably should have gotten into like maybe Undertow or Anima or would have probably been a better way to start out.
1: But at the time, that's just the way it was. It wasn't as easy to jump back and just listen to uh, the other albums. Like even for me, like I got Anima first and then I went back and got Undertow and then went back and got Opiate just because there was, such a break in time before later alice came out i was sort of filling in the blanks during that waiting period which is what i think a lot of people did were playing catch up on them so that i think when later alice finally came out it was such a huge deal and a lot of anticipation and all that
0: you know i think now that i now that i'm thinking about it i think it was lateralis that I first was listening to, to, to tool and be like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't, I don't know what this is like, this is like, yeah. And, but, and then it took sober and then, but I remember discovering this album on and I'd be like, Oh my God, because this is a little bit leaning more towards the song side of tool, like songwriting. They have they have a lot of songs and, and they're not, they have epic moments and stuff but they have parts that you could that resemble a song. It's not just like, you know, 10 minutes of like a very very slow build like they seem to be going on. Well, I don't know, maybe since the 10,000 days they kind of pushed further and further in that direction. It's like the you know the ends of the songs on this album, it's like they're just extending those, making those huge.
1: Uh no, I, I do think there are songs on this album, on Anima that kind of show you the direction they were going. Like a song like Push It is literally almost like a prequel to Schism and just everything, lyrically, musically. The guitar, right. yeah. Does, yeah. And I remember just diving back in this week when I first got to that song again, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when later Alice came out, they're like, oh, they're going in this push It" direction, which was more of the, the epics and the longer stuff, but... And I don't know, which was fine with me on Later Alice, like maybe the, the later albums did maybe lose me a little bit more, but I still appreciate them. And I do have songs that I like from them, but yeah, the, for me, it was definitely those middle, the middle era, I guess now, or the Autumn of Later Alice, where I was really like huge into them. For
2: sure, yeah. So I guess that that's a good segue into, I guess, what, what's your current rela- relationship to tool? Like, have you, Have you guys kept up with them? Like, I know they had a release that came out, I guess, two years ago. uh, The ten thousand was it ten thousand? No, sorry, that was uh, Fear Inoculum. Yeah. Did you guys keep up with all that?
0: Uh, I did. Go
2: first. Yeah.
1: Well, I I did because that was uh like I I regularly listened to Tool, but they were they were becoming. uh, (laughs) It's gonna sound bad, but since jumping to Spotify became a nuisance to listen to them because they weren't on it, we had to you know jump onto. YouTube and it's um, not even them uploading it. It's just some random upload from whenever. So it, it, be- it became hard to listen to them because it's not, I wasn't really throwing on CDs. So when they did drop older stuff on the streaming right before the release of fear inoculum, it seemed like a, you know, they created hype that way. So I was excited, you know, I was like, finally, this stuff's on freaking streaming as so I, I revisited a lot, especially in the last two years because it became easier. And Tool is a band that I do love. And there are band where I will just jump in and listen to tracks here and there, not necessarily the whole album all the time. But when Fear and Ogulum came out, they're leaning more into like the longer epics and stuff, which is fine. And I appreciate it. I listen to the album and I'm like, yeah, this is good. But for me, it's more of like the punch of, you know, a Stink Fist or even a Schism or a Parabola and Anima or Hooker with a Penis. I'm, I'm more in prison sex, sober. I'm, I'm more of that kind of. Is more my speed as opposed to like a, like I like Numa, but you know, it's like a 13 minute song. I'm not going to just throw it on all the time, but I still appreciate them. I still follow them. If they were to come live, I would go see them, but yeah. Well, that's Yeah. How about you, Ryan?
0: Well, I was just going to say, that's the great thing about this album because it's got more of a balance. Like this is like the the time, uh, this is like the last album that is like an album full of songs and then it's like almost like the con- concept of tool just took over tool and they became almost i don't want to say too serious cuz i like like i like the artsy side of it and stuff but you know like the intermission on this thing it's yeah. almost like it, it's almost like they're saying don't take this stuff too serious man we're like and then it leads perfectly into i think is it is it jimmy or yeah, yeah. So. yeah, and it's like the same, it's the same notes. It's the same notes. So so you're like, oh, this music is this music is whatever. Don't take this shit seriously, whatever. It's like, you think it's so hardcore because it's guitars? Well, whatever. You could do it on a little organ thing. So I, I don't know. I like. I feel like they moved away from that and started to take themselves, I don't want to say
1: too seriously, but too seriously <laughs> for Gordon. <laughs> God maybe, just, me, maybe me. the thing is like the guys like when you see them in interviews and stuff and just how they carry themselves and uh it, they're, they're not that serious it's no. just the way they just the way their music is I guess now and the stuff they're I, I don't know I, I know people love them like and they have a huge huge cult following and I don't know I consider myself part of that cult to a certain extent because I still For will sure. defend them and I still respect the new stuff and like the new stuff but I don't love it I'll say yeah. that much so, so th- well, oh, hold, sorry, on,
0: hold on. I just want to make it. the last album, uh, 10,000 Days, your inoculum. No, the one before that, yeah, because um, yeah, I, I stopped listening to them after that album uh, just to finish the question. But that album, the like the first vicarious and it was the pot, I think, is the other single. Like, those songs are so good, those are like yeah, up with or, yeah. their best songs, so yeah you know, they can pull it out, you know, they can like, make these amazing song, song,
1: art, metal, rock, like the whole, that balance. But I understand like an artistic standpoint, why they would want to make a fear inoculum and uh, like something along those lines, because it seems like they do like leaning into that stuff and trying new things and doing different stuff, which you kind of first see the steps towards that on Anima, I think. Yeah. where you're seeing more of the experimentation where they're trying different things on different tracks. So, and they still like doing that. So an album like Fear Inoculum kind of is more open to kind of what they want to do. It's just, I matter what they do next. Are they going to keep doing the same thing? Are they going to make, are they even going to do anything else? Are they going to, you know, make another rock out album or something in between or another, you know, it's kind of open at this point. So I'm not. Actually.
0: I would say it's not open. Like it's almost like they push themselves up against the wall. Like they can't go any further in this direction, can can they?
1: Well, I think they're, cause they're at the age too where they're more or less becoming a legacy act. They have so much music behind them, under their belt. At this point, people just want to see them get together and make tool songs. Yeah. Hmm. You need to get that. (laughs) I don't know if you guys heard that news this week but the algorithm recreating artist songs.
2: Oh, no. no what's
1: that <laughs> uh they did a nirvana song a uh, uh amy winehouse song and something jimmy hendrix how like, does it
2: sound is it close
1: uh yes it's close okay so that like hold on yeah.
0: it's a robot like a program writing recreating new songs by these artists
1: yeah they so they i, I guess it's like an ai program where they dumped in like a bunch of you know Nirvana songs, and it like deep fake kind of Yeah, yeah, it's like a deep fake sort of deal, but it spits out like a Nirvana style song. The Nirvana one didn't sound that great. The Amy Winehouse one wasn't bad. The Jimi Hendrix one just sounded like a blues rock. But <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Not that I, not that I want that from Tool, but I'm saying like, <laughs> Did should drop Tool in that. <laughs> no, no. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is like, I do want them to still push forward, but it just not like. I don't know it seems like they're kind of p- not really they're pushing just in one direction where i want them to push into multiple
2: right okay you know. interesting yeah so i just wanted to ask you guys a general question before we get into like more song questions um what got you guys like hooked like in high school like was it like the music like because like for me as a casual listener i'm probably losing a lot of the value that like a tool fan would get because it seems like they're very. Uh, very cryptic you can there's layers to everything every every second or every minute of the song there's a change that's like a crazy time signature or something like that like what what keeps you guys interested or what got you interested like did that impact like the music or the bands that you would go on to join
1: i think it was the whole packaging and everything with them and you know kind of being at that age because when i was listening to this i was what 14 13 14 15 those ages where i was kind of really getting into tool and it's uh, you know, the the album art had, like, the cool lenticular cover that kind of changed, and it was, like, this trippy imagery, and then they had, like, the inside under the CD, it had another one with uh, California getting flooded over. <laughs> so it was like, whoa, and it kind of, like, played into the music, and you start reading the lyrics, and you're like, whoa, this isn't like the other stuff where, you know, all the bands before that that I was listening to is all about songs about, you know, falling in love, or just, My name you know, is Jonas. Per, More personal, no, but more personal, more introspective stuff. Where this gotcha. was more like ideological, sort of very social and bigger, wider uh, approach, and to- talking about bigger concepts. So it was kind of opening myself to that. And then you kind of go back and hear their early stuff. You hear a song like "Hush," which is like all about censorship and free speech and stuff. And you're like, "Whoa, this band has like different." messaging from a lot of the other bands. So I, I put them in a category with like a Rage Against the Machine when it comes to that side of things for for uh, what it did to me mentally <laughs> at a young age where I'm kind of more exposed to these things that are still around and are still being talked about. A lot of the exact same issues that Rage and Tool were singing about is still sort of relevant today. Yeah. Did
2: they open your third eye
1: into anything? <laughs> they opened my third eye. Yeah. Pride it open. <laughs> how about you ryan
0: well uh th- well that's an interesting question like i was learning drums at the time when i was getting into tool so it was tool was like respected amongst musicians as like you know this is really complicated stuff and, and it, even though all the kids are listening to it i remember even like when i was in jazz school the, the, in jazz history the guy was like yeah the tool's cool too they do some interesting stuff, so, uh, so there's that element. Like I would pick things apart from Tool, and it would really, it really advance my my drumming. Like Schism, that that drum beat, Sober, it's a classic, Forty Six and Two, Eulogy, like all these things I, I would work out. So, I was picking apart, like uh, trying to understand music, at, while I was listening to Tool. So there's that other whole puzzle going on while while I was listening to Tool getting into it. So that I mean in a way it is music for musicians, in a way. Um but not not entirely. Because I know there's like there's a huge cult following and they they don't all play guitar. Maybe seventy five percent. I don't know.
1: <laughs> that was the thing for me when I was getting into playing guitar where their stuff is like complex and hard and complicated and stuff. But I their guitar parts were you, if you actually sat down and took the time, they weren't that hard to play. Yes. They weren't that hard to play, it was just sort of hard to learn, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Sort of like the order, the feel, the timing, you know, because they would jump through time signatures and stuff. I remember getting the Guitar World magazine when uh, Schism came out and they had the tabs for the song in there. And I think I saw the magazine somewhere in the basement or something, but it's, the magazine was all beat up because I'm like, I'm going to learn this song. And I feel <laughs> like by going through and learning that song, I became a better guitar player, even though I didn't really learn any new techniques necessarily, but just learning to play that song made me a better player.
0: For sure, yeah. So many drummers probably learned off Tool. I'm sure of it. Um, And it's weird because it's the drums that bring maybe the most, like distinctly metal sound to it with the double kick and and the, the crazy drum fills. Which is weird, yeah, because I don't listen to any other metal, but man, it's, I think it's because of Maynard's voice that there's another bridge to pop music, so it kind of, like, you know, that's that anchor there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's they're, them too, like, when you listen to through the albums, you can hear that they get better at their instruments and better at their kind of yeah. craft as the albums go on, like, from Undertow to Anima later Alice, 10,000 days, like, holy cow, like, especially, like, in the drumming, you're like, well, the, just the skill and ability that goes into the stuff is getting more complex
0: <laughs> yeah and like uh, gordon i don't know if you did notice like we're talking kind of about the layers of depth here like did any of the lyrics stand out to you because a lot of the lyrics are quite clever and just yeah. the way they reveal the meaning and the timing taught me a lot about lyric writing as well like a lot taught me a lot about songwriting this band because Somehow they're able to write these amazing songs yet break all the, your conventional rock rules at the same time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I never, I didn't dive too much in the lyrics. I did, I did listen to the album. Well, this week was the first time I listened to it from beginning to end. Um, so I did listen to it, I think three times altogether this week, but you notice like the, like the lyrics that you sang, those stick out um, that you did the intro with and um, you, you you hear like, Weirdness, or like uh, there's like random German in it, you hear the Bill Hicks at the end, you uh, hear like the swearing, or like the weird things that he sang. But like, I never really picked up on the themes. And of course, yeah, if you read into it a lot more, it's like tied into philosophy and a whole bunch of other things. So, I mean, I I just didn't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I did notice like he is he does seem to be like really eclectic with like his lyric choice and and his uh, I guess his vocal range, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. And and when we're younger listening to this stuff you know you're kind of forming your your value set and all this stuff so listening to tool and picking apart the lyrics you get into learning some philosophy or you you're like you get to learn your fate one of your favorite artists perspective on something that you heard in class or something like that so yeah, Tool really is a mind opener for the youth, or was in, in our generation.
1: And, and, and for them too, since they were so mysterious, whenever Maynard, you, since you didn't know much about the band and Maynard, it was like the lyrics was the only real insight you got into the band. Yeah. And then their videos and then their artwork, which is all sort of psychedelic and trippy. And, and I don't know, it's, it's funny looking now, like I was trying to watch some live videos this week, and it's just funny seeing him on stage because it's like this huge stage show and videos. It's just a guy in shorts and a t-shirt just like playing guitar. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah, Maynard's like a pretty interesting guy. Um, I mean, we could talk about him a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I didn't know much about him. I just thought he was just like some crazy hardcore rocker guy. But then I watched like a bunch of Joe Rogan interviews with him this week and I saw some other things like the acting, the the, the comedy that he kind of brings to everything. And I'm like, wow, I totally like, Misunderstood, like what this guy really is. Like, I mean, yeah, he's all that stuff, and I'm sure he was crazier like in the 90s and the truth and the 2000s, but like now he just seems like some chill guy that's like mellowed out, but he's definitely a rock star.
0: No, he was always like that. I mean, if, if you were into a, a perfect circle, I don't know if you got into them at all, like back a little in the bit, day, yeah, no, yeah not, just not like at in their peak immediately the guy's like wearing this wig to be the, like oh, that's just a joke it's just funny <laughs> right so, and i
2: always yeah. thought he had like these this long hair it's probably because of a perfect circle and then i remember also seeing like that weird mohawk mullet thing he had but oh yeah i yeah. guess now he doesn't even have hair
1: he had like the rat tail thing going in the 90s uh, yeah but uh yeah i remember i uh, seen them a perfect perfect circle live and like he's just putting his hands out his pants like Jerk it off, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't remember that. Okay, so what I remember seeing them like on Lateralis and like I remember like he was like facing the screen and yeah. away from the away from the audience and stuff. That's what I I, I don't remember like casual shorts well, and stuff.
1: Well that was no that was for perfect circle. right for Tooley, he doesn't oh, really I, I think both times I saw them for Tooley, he doesn't even really face the audience yeah that's that's what i
2: read yeah because i i it's good that you guys bring this up i wanted to ask if you guys have seen them live because it seems like their stage show is really unconventional like it's not like they they tend to have a lot of darkness on stage there's no real spotlights on them it's more on like their projection yeah. and on the audience and stuff like that
1: yeah, yeah. so it's pretty much Mannered and Danny Carey on like uh like Rise. platform yeah risers and then Adam Jones and uh, Justin Chancellor on underneath, but there's like no lighting on them. They're just sort of playing, and then they have their screens. Yeah, it <laughs> the show is
0: more about like being there with all these people who also know these crazy ass songs. Like yeah. everybody's like screaming along the parts, like you know that extra uh umph you get from the waiting for such yeah. a mm-hmm. long build. Imagine you're there with thousands of people and they're all waiting together, you know? It's it's like classical music.
1: But the first time we saw them was Edge fest. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit different. But uh yeah, just leading up I remember they just showed like a graphic on the screen, and you're just waiting and you're like, Oh, they're gonna come on soon, but nope. It's like another like it's not like a five minute video, it's like a twenty minute video. Yeah, it was, <laughs> so I was like, gonna <laughs> yeah. That's funny.
2: So so do you, I I was like thinking out in my head like all all week i'm like would these guys for me be like seeing them live would that be the ideal situation like after hearing the albums because it seems like the albums are kind of like an experience like you guys talk about like specific songs and and that's what you guys like but it seems like in order to listen to a tool album it's it's not really like um you don't approach it with the conventional song listening style it's more like this is it's like a whole big thing that you're going to absorb
1: well, yeah. for For me, it's very like active listening. So you just sort of like, for me, the perfect way to listen to them is kind of on headphones or on a good like good sound system where the sound is very clear. Maybe uh, smoke a little smoke a little marijuana ahead of time and right. kind of feel the music and just sort of kind of enjoy it. But uh, yeah, the live shows are good too. But I don't say that it's, you need to. Well, seeing them live is great, but I don't. I thought like you need to see them live to appreciate it type of thing. You gotcha. Yeah,
0: and and the, and they. For the most part, like they, they're from my experience. I don't know what they're doing now, but the the music was mostly replicated from the albums. They were they're like it's not like they're improving and changing stuff up yeah. too much. Maybe they do a little bit. I don't remember very much of that at all. It's more about everybody knows these songs. Everybody knows every note. So we're all along that ride together, listening to it. The, the the lights aren't even on them so it's not about watching them do the stuff really yeah. um it's about listening so it's you know it don't, yeah don't go to the show if you don't like the songs already <laughs> like <laughs> if it, you're not going there to get to know tool i think you got to find a few songs that really speak to you. those bridging songs until you can get to know the style because not listening to metal all those things are just going to like kind of sour it it's like what the hell what's with all this palm muting what's with all this double kick drum blast beats it's like yeah. you don't hear that in any other music it just sounds like I at all and the other music you do hear it in is often kind of cheesy so anyway so i'm, I'm gonna leave it there on metal
1: yeah especially when you listen to undertow and there's a couple of albums like this at least for me because i don't come from the background of metal so like an album like undertow or even uh what's like the pretty hate machine by nine inch nails and stuff. It's kind of like right on the border for me where it's like, it could have been cheesy if it was done a little bit differently, but they do it so good that it's kind of elevates it. Yeah. In my ears, at least in my ears where yes. it's kind of genre. I'm not the biggest into, but th- these are standouts for me, at least like for prog metal, mm-hmm. whatever you
0: want to call it. At the same time, I think I was started to get into system of a down and it's interesting how they do it they just go full cheese they're just like embrace the cheese they're just let it happen they're not going to pretend but tool tool gives it like this weird they're they're kind of jokey on this album a few times
1: yeah, yeah.
0: but there's also this dark undertone always in it yeah well
1: oh, but in the song like in the title track they say the best words like don't like read between the lines like don't just take everything i say seriously
0: yes yeah
2: so I guess, yeah, with that, we could probably get it and dive into the album a little bit and ask uh, some general song questions. Um, so I did see, I think there's four official singles from this album. Uh, those singles were uh, Stink Fist, H, Anima, and 46 and 2. Um, so I guess this is a really kind of like an, un- like, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure how to approach Tool because I see them there. They go number one on Billboard, they're platinum, or multi-platinum with most of their albums. And at the same time, I'm like, are any of these songs overplayed? Like, do they fit? Like our questions of like, what's the biggest song? What's the song you skip? Like-
1: Uh, uh, I think for big, you can kind of get it, talk about that because there are a lot of big songs from this album that they still- Maybe
2: I'm just the one that's kind of blind to like the the reach of Tool.
1: Well, the way I would look at it is like, what songs would get the biggest pop from like a concert, right? So this is a good way of looking at it's
0: it. A, yeah. Among their fans, like what are the biggest, that's how I get a sense of what are the favorite songs is like talking to people at the concerts. Like, Oh, I love oh, those. This song. Like
1: yeah, 46 to... and two.
0: That was, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Everybody loves that song. Every tool fan.
1: Yeah. It seems like 46 and two, 46 and two and, and stink fist are like the two big ones from this helmet. They still play live. I don't, I'm not elite. Well, I guess I haven't seen them since 10,000 days. I, I don't even know if they came here for Fear Oculum, but uh, yeah, those are the only two songs they played from Anima when I saw them. And they are the two most streamed from this album. Hmm. They're kind of very close in streams. But uh, yeah, those are probably the two biggest from this. I, 46 and two seems to get the radio love, but so, yeah, 46 and two seems to get the radio love where Stinkfist had the video. So I have that sort of attachment to it.
0: But didn't they have to call it track one or something instead of Stinkfist?
2: Well, yeah, that was uh, MTV made that
1: rule,
0: yeah. Don't want, to, don't want to reveal what it's really about. or with a metaphor,
1: like... it's a metaphor, or just a, a tool with no like song title. <laughs> and I'm like,
2: that? I'm like, stink fist, I'm like, is is that what I think it means? And then, I mean, I'm sure that's what it means, right? Like, I mean, you can get deeper. I saw, I read I came across this like FAQ that is online about it hasn't been updated since 2001, but it's like a fan faq site for tool and like it breaks down like all the songs like fan theories and stuff like that and yeah like stink fist is like it's got some crazy underlying meaning to it but it it seems like the most ridiculous song at the same time
0: well it's yeah it's like a met it uses fisting as a metaphor right for like being desensitized essentially and so each course you sh- you get deeper in with each course, so it's like yeah. so graphic <laughs> until you're I think you're
1: elbow deep or shoulder deep at yeah. the end I don't know but that's just sort of like mannered style of like humor like yeah. it's not he's not saying it to be like I'm into this or whatever whatever it's just more of like just a joke yeah
0: yeah, it's a joke but also there's like a, it's a deep metaphor so it's yeah. like you get both of those yeah
1: yeah, because yeah, he like uh, Maynard did try his hand at stand-up comedy. I knew at one point. So, <laughs> but did he? <laughs> For some reason, I
2: just picture like the Joker, like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> but no, that's that's. I mean, he seems like a funny guy he seems like a really funny guy because i enjoyed the <laughs> yeah. he seems like a funny guy though because I, I really i listened to um the 99 joe rogan podcast and that was when he he like hit a button on his phone and all their catalog was digital or yeah. streaming at that point point. and then i'm like okay this guy's pretty cool i'll listen to the newer one so he was on in 2020 and i mean him and rogan are just kind of like joking back and forth like i i get along or i get their sense of humor yeah
1: yeah. And uh, he came the last time he came on. He talked about how he was probably the one who brought COVID to New Zealand. <laughs> 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 he had it, didn't know because he said they weren't at the time. They didn't know the like this all the symptoms, so he didn't even test them. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. He was saying that it hit him pretty bad, like especially yeah. hard.
1: Yeah, he said um, it still affects him in his bones and joints.
2: God this damn! Nice.
0: And yeah, that's said, why we're on Zoom, folks.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I need my bones and joints to work. Um, but yeah, and I saw there's like a, I think like a 30 minute or 25 minute YouTube video. It's like a compilation of like all their funniest moments. And like, there's one where, uh, like an MTV interviewer is just like asking him like about a quote that he said in like 2001. And he's like, she's like, how do you still stand by that or something like that? And he's just like, look, I did a lot of LSD in high school and I don't remember everything I say, so we can just move on. It's like something to like that effect. And like, that's, that's just cool.
1: That's a good answer. That's just his way of like dismissing the question, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, they, they seem like funny guys. And even when you look at his um, like a solo side project, Pussifer, it's all sort of that kind of kitschy humor, comedy, yeah. tongue-in-cheek stuff. And even when uh, Danny Carey had his side project, Pygmy Love Circus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I remember seeing them live opening for A Perfect Circle. And he I heard, they, that was in London. Wearing, you know, Ma- yeah, in London. Yeah wearing these like weirdo masks and running through the crowd it was kind of creepy actually but uh yeah yeah they seem like pretty lighthearted guys for how serious their music is
2: yeah i mean i guess kind of going back to like what what you were saying earlier ryan about stinkfist like they do uh, a really good job of balancing like this crude sexual humor with yeah. like these bigger themes so it's it's kind of like a juggling act but they seem to pull it off prison sex another good example of that yeah hooker with a oh. penis <laughs>
0: Well, that doesn't, like, the title is like that, but, like,
1: the the lyrics. Anyway, we can well, get into delete. Like... Hooker with the penis is funny because being a young kid, like, when being your, when I was a kid, you see that song title, you kind of gravitate to that song first. And I just remember that was one of the songs where you kind of, it's funny that you open with the lyric. That's uh, one of the songs where you kind of look at the lyrics and you're like, like, whoa, well, they're being called, like, sellouts, but he's saying I sold out way before... You even knew who i was <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's just, I mean, and that sort of messaging is, for a kid especially coming up through the grunt like learning through rock through the grunge era where selling out was the worst thing you could possibly do and this guy's like well what's your definition of sellout do do you like just fucking do you exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: what do you mean like i gotta stay poor <laughs> What do you yeah. think, Nir- think nirvana sold anything i think they sold some things so yeah, yeah that I, that's a particular. You're right. Like you gravitate towards it because it's a jokey name, and that's kind yeah. of the point. I think that's the point of it. Because you're like, oh, hooker with penis. Huh, huh. You're listening to the song. Oh, this is serious. It's like, oh shit. I thought like, it was I guess,
1: OGT. I guess some like some fan called him like a a whore or a prostitute to the record industry, and he's like, I'm still the man. So hooker with a penis, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's
0: awesome. So OGT. Like, I was like, is that a real term? So I look it up. It's like in Wikipedia, (laughs) original gangster tool. (laughs) I was like, what? Also, like, Anima, like, the character, the A and the E fused together. Like, that's that's an actual
2: thing? I think they did it uh, for this album. Uh, I did have a note here. But it's basically kind of like two philosophies. Like, Anima, which is, like like a, a Jungian yeah, yeah. philosophy thing. And it's yeah. mixing together enema, which is everybody knows what an enema is. So it's just putting those two things together.
0: Yeah, yeah so the, the character is like in my fonts. So has Tool changed the course of fonts? Like I was able to copy and paste it.
2: Oh, yeah, it no, was, it's, like there's Aeon Flux. I remember seeing it there. I think, a it's, comic there. Book there.
0: I think it's an actual like. Oh, it's not, the, oh it's, not, it's not Tool then. It's not Tool. No,
1: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you can also get the lowercase a. <laughs>
2: all right right um so i i guess i i guess going back to the to the biggest song i i said Stinkfist just because that's the only song i really recognize for this album like the most uh coming into it uh what, what did you think was the biggest song right
0: well I, I think amongst fans it's probably 46 and 2 for some reason that has like the love from people um it just immediately sounds good so that's it, it's something you can show other people check out this band the ba- that clean bass it's not like abrasive right away but yeah
1: well i, I know for me 46 and two kind of stood out even just not even knowing it being like a radio single just hearing the album because it had that sort of eastern like middle eastern flavor to it yeah. and being you know a turkish kid you're like whoa like dad listen to this song it sounds like turkish music <laughs> yeah so yeah. But yeah, for me, yeah, those two songs are probably the biggest. You, um, forty six and two, and Stinkfist. I don't know which one's bigger. I guess forty six and two is more of the fans. Stinkfist is probably more of the general audiences.
0: Yeah, uh, Jim. Yeah. You guys remember Jim from um, Goth? Jim from high school. Yep. Uh, his his favorite song was Anima. <laughs> Anima. We connected on. Yeah, it. that's
1: a great song too. I love that. I, that's one of my favorites on the album as well. Yeah. Yeah, the beat, it won the Grammy Award. Yep.
2: Um, so I guess we can move on to the next uh, question. Is is there an overplayed song, or what do you think is the most overplayed? If there is one,
1: well, I would say just the fact that, like, they when you look at the signals that are released on here, and when you listen to the radio, it's pretty much just forty six and two.
0: Yeah, it's
1: so true. normally when they jump back to this album, it seems like it's forty six and two, and that was even back when I was listening to the radio. So I assume it's the same thing now. That but... seems to
0: be the one that always gets hold up but there's a lot of great songs on this that they could be playing yeah
1: that's why i was kind of surprised like even when the two times i saw them live they only played those two songs from anima so it's kind of like play other ones (laughs) yeah yeah more like play a couple more so I, i guess those are the only two they go back to but it'd be just maybe live show wise i don't know if anything's changed now but it'd be nice for them to play more from this album but i know their songs are long and they're gonna play new stuff but well, yeah,
0: that they're more about the art. They don't want, we have to wait a few more years till they're just touring old stuff, the automotive. Yeah. But, yeah. This album in particular has the, probably the most songs that you could play on the radio, yet they only play one.
1: Interesting enough, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, how about you, Gordon? Do you think any of them are overplayed or? Um... No, I just, I didn't have anything for this. I mean, I, I hear
2: other songs. I mean, if I had to pick a tool song that's overplayed, I would probably say the pot. Cause I remember that one was just like, seemed to be nonstop. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it doesn't seem like they really play this on the radio and I don't have a whole lot of exposure to yeah. it. So.
1: Since their songs are I so mean, long, they don't really get played very often. So they're not going to get overplayed. They're more of a treat when you hear them.
0: Yeah, yeah that's true. They still do get p- played though. And they don't, do no stupid radio edits so that's good you can't well, they're, they're one of the biggest rock rock
1: bands they're gonna get played
2: yeah yeah they've had like i think like two at least two albums go like number one on the billboard top 200 which seems crazy it seems like we haven't talked about like any bands where like they hit the number one so yeah because that was interesting
1: like, their, their fans are so diehard and there's so many of them that once when something gets released they just all march out and buy it like i remember buying Ten thousand days, like on day of release. Yep. So it's just sort of like mandatory. <laughs> well, right. at plus
0: we waited. How long did we wait for ten thousand days? Like, I just got into Tool when
1: lateralis came out, and then waited what ten years or something. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know what what was the, the break between albums. I don't remember, but yeah, I think it's was well, it's
2: five years between Lateralus and okay. ten thousand days. Yeah. Still feels like a long time and then well then it's 13 years between ten thousand days and fear inocula
0: <laughs> oh my god the five-year break feels way longer in my mind just because i was younger
1: yeah but
2: does it feel like so i just sidebar question does it feel longer like if or or do you um like with them the other bands that maynard's in does that fill the void for you or is, is tool too much of its own thing to be like perfect circle doesn't help me here Pussifer doesn't th-
1: help me here. I think because th- I'm not much of a, pu- I'm not much of a Pussifer fan. I never really did a deep dive into that, but I did listen to a perfect circle when they came out. So it did seem like, you know, b- between Anima and later Alice, you had the first perfect circle album, I believe.
2: Yeah. I think and, you might have uh,
1: two of them. And then, or was it both of them came out in between? I think so. Yeah. Not, I'll double check no, that
0: right no, now. No, 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 I went with 13th step came after. I'm pretty sure.
1: I mean, yeah, I thought it came out after Later Alice because I remember for a while it seemed like Maynard was always around and then Pussifer came out and then 10, true. He was days...
0: like doing cameos and in, in music videos and he was on uh, the White Pony. We talked about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, I know it just it seemed like even between Later Alice and 10,000 days, it was a five year break. But since there was like Pussifer and a perfect circle stuff still going on, it seemed like there was less of a break for me at least. But yeah, between 10,000 days and fear inoculum is pretty much like, are they even going to release another album?
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess I wasn't anticipating, I wasn't waiting on it. Like I was waiting on uh, 10,000 days. Cause I had just come off of lateralis and I was like, I was, you know, mesmerized by the band. So, but then, but, but literally for my experience of 10,000 days is like, I, I love this album. And then as it goes on, I'm like, uh, I, I, usually don't listen to the whole thing i just listen to the few songs i really like so i, I kind of figured that the new album would be just
2: more of the same but i don't know yeah i so yeah, listen to it uh so yeah for perfect circle uh murda Nam came out in 2000 step came out in 03 and then emotive which i think is a cover album came out in 04. yeah
1: yeah because that, that kind of filled in the blank even though I wasn't a big fan of that emotive, I sort of fell off with that album with them.
2: Yeah, I did listen this week to uh, to Perfect Circle. I did listen to a little bit of Pussifer. I kind of, I, I really like Pussifer. I heard like two of the albums and I thought it was, it was pretty good. Uh, mostly maybe, I don't know if it's just the week I was having like doing Tool, five albums, the tool for the first couple days and then a little bit of Perfect Circle and then Pussifer. It was like, okay, I think I might like Pussifer the best, but i don't know
1: because <laughs> I, so, I never really did a dive into pussifer and i remember listening to a track they released last year or two years ago or something and i was like it's actually pretty good maybe i should jump in and listen but i don't know seem maybe maybe one day
2: yeah 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 i recommend uh well they um i forget the name of the albums but uh there's like one that's like v for vagina <laughs> it's just like he's crude like it's his humor right a typical um, mannered. Yeah, I, I feel saying I, I like Pussifer is like saying like for Jack White, like I like the rack Tour is the best from anything Jack White's done.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's it prob- well, I have only listened to Pussifer like for a few seconds. I was like, oh, this is like kind of like a perfect circle. And then I just turn it off. I'm like, I, I already like perfect circle. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I mean, it may be there's some good songs in there, but.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it, the, it's, it's definitely not as heavy as like a Perfect Circle. Well, the first two Perfect Circle albums are, are fairly heavy, but their newest one, uh, which I listened to as well, isn't as heavy. It's more got an electronic tinge to it. It's so definitely much softer than the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this can take us to uh, what do you think is the most underrated song on this album, Ryan? Um,
0: I, I'm going to maybe say Hooker with a Penis for underrated because... It's not really ever referred to as, like, one of the best songs, but it, it, can, it stands up there with uh, the singles, I think. In terms of, like, a song song, it's got great verses, choruses, verses, choruses. It's a great, yeah, maybe push it too. Like, there's, there's a whole bunch. It's, I feel like the album, the songs that aren't singles are pretty much right there with the other ones hooker with with a penis was that a single no no okay okay
1: yeah i would have said a song like like after this album came out in that time between i would have said a song like push it but i feel like after like later alice they kind of did push it in better ways that's true <laughs> but uh so I, for me i would say eulogy that's a song yeah. i've always liked, and it's you know, track two, it was like one of the early songs that I was like, whoa, this band is like really good. Maybe I should listen to more of this. But yeah, Eulogy, I've always been a really big, really big uh, fan of. And yeah, uh, yeah the, the song of Tommy patience, like I said, when the chorus hits, like it sounds amazing. I love like to rock out during the second chorus, like at the end of the second uh, second verse, sorry. But yeah, it's just great. Even like that little drum breakdown in the middle, when it's just the drums and the vocals. Like yeah. the song does so much and and I, I love it. I love every second of it.
0: And the lyrics are are great too. They like yeah. get into depth about, you know, fake
1: martyrs, people virtue signaling, it's but great. What do you think he's singing, of, singing about? So like, I always thought he was singing about Bill Hicks, but because it's, he had just died and the song is called Eulogy and the album's dedicated to him. But then a lot of people say Al Ron Hubbard or just Jesus Christ some people some people say it's a mix of all three (laughs) it's just like
0: i i didn't think it was about anybody but whoever lines up with the the idea of you know like a fake martyr somebody who's uh just basically virtue signaling to try to make themselves look great but when it comes time to pay the price uh they're surprised or they or they jump ship or they're like whatever i had nothing to do with it
1: that's but, a idea. For me, like reading into the lyrics, it's almost sounds like he's singing about Bill Hicks in, but he's writing about him in his style of comedy and in his ideology.
0: Oh, shit.
1: That's getting deep. See what I mean? There's so many layers. Yeah. I that's gotta listen I, to it again. <laughs> that's how I always like kind of read it. So that's how, kinda, kinda, how I always sort of like understood the song. But then, you know, reading this week, you're like, oh, some people say it's about Jesus, which, you know, everything's about Jesus. It seems like, and then like Al Ron Hubbard, which I think th- there's like the Al Ron Hubbard reference in the title track as well. So
0: I don't know, a lot of possibilities, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah, maybe it's about all of them, but yeah. I, I, will, I I should have mentioned Eulogy. Yeah, that's like probably I I like that song as much as I like Forty Six and Two. I would say, so.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like these these some of these songs, like I just love. Like there's it's hard to. It's almost like I love them all in a vacuum, not just as part of an album. So it's hard to pick pick which baby I love the most. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, because you, you can listen to just a couple songs from this album and like, oh, yeah, sweet. I got like almost 15 minutes of tool or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, that's sweet. I love these songs. And then the next time you listen to the album, you pick two completely different
1: songs. You're not going back to the same ones
0: because there's just so much to look forward to.
1: How about, for, how about for you, Gordon? What's uh, what's underrated for you? What's a song that maybe you don't think the average Tool fan might appreciate that you particularly like? <laughs>
2: um, I put "Hooker with a Penis" as well. Um, I don't I don't know if uh, anybody actually likes that song or thinks it's underrated or anything, but yes. um, I remember hearing that song before, so that's why I I kind of gravitate back to it. I mean, it's got a a, a crazy title too, um, but yeah, I, I I thought that was kind of underrated.
1: But what I what I will add to underrated actually is a lot of the um, it might sound crazy, but it's a lot of the in between stuff, like a useful idiot and like negative ions and stuff. I find that they add to the album. They're not just sort of filler in between songs. And maybe the really uh, okay hold on, you're maybe, maybe, a... <laughs> maybe the die. Maybe the die. Satan. You've <laughs> been cut. But you're not like- listening to that shit. No, way. no. I like <laughs> the way Useful Idiot flows right into 46 and 2. Okay, and negative, I- negative Ions, they played when we saw them live. <laughs> yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> that's weird. All tra- and I like that it's four minutes long. Because When you first hear it, you're like, this is going to be short. And then when Third Eye starts with the Bill Hicks quotes, and it's funny, and then it kind of cuts out, and there's another quote that's kind of muddled before the song even kicks in. And then the song does so much. That whole just ending to me is just so epic. And considering listening to Negative Ions to Third Eye, it's like an 18-minute thing. I used to do that all the time as like a 15-year-old because I just thought it sounded so cool. Like yeah. just put that on your headphones, let it play out. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. I get that. But I'm not. I'm also like not going to listen to all the things every time. Like, come on, you're the guy who's always talking about – no
1: the skits i'm not gonna listen to the skit every time that's what i'm saying though i feel like they serve a purpose here like when you listen to like especially when you listen to the album and like the messaging and stuff and like on on a mile like when you get to the end of that song it almost sounds like the fucking wave is hitting that he's singing yeah. about just with the way the drums and the guitars and the song even sort of has like a surf vibe to to it like for me at least like the kind of the solos and stuff so then, when that song is done, you kind of get ions. It. it just sounds like everything is sort of like settled yeah. back and down. And then you get yeah. third eye, which does all the things. Like you don't know what's gonna happen next in that song. Every part of it is different. Just such a great way to end the album, in my opinion. But, yeah, yeah. So I would so say like like, all... like those filler tracks like serve a purpose. Yeah, yeah,
0: they do. And like the intermission too, how it leads into Jimmy is kind of cool. So I yeah. do, I usually since it's so short, I usually listen to that. Um yeah. Yeah. The only one
1: I can do without is that die ear von Satan, where <laughs> I kind of get what they're trying to do, but it's it's almost like a joke that goes on too long.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a skip.
1: Yeah, because you he, he in that he's just sort of saying uh uh cookie recipe. Yeah, that's all it is. In yeah, German. Yeah, but it's in German over this all those adults. Well, it's it's a cannabis cookie yeah. <laughs> recipe, yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, it just sounds like it's yeah, Hitler yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but it just sounds, doesn't sound right. <laughs> um. So so would you say Third Eye is your, or
2: those last two tracks are your favorite tracks in East, or what, what's your favorite tracks on this album? Or favorite track, I guess, if you had to pick one.
1: This becomes a hard question because there's, the impossible. So, many,
2: the impossible.
1: there's so many favorite tracks. Like I made a list of like, Four songs and it doesn't even include that negative ions third eye, which I love. Like, and I just remember listening to that as a kid, like, crying open my third eye, I'd just be like, fucking right. That's so good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but then at the same time, it's like I cannot say forty six and two. But then what about Stinkfist and Anima and Eulogy? Like, there's, I don't know. This is a this is a hard one for me to pick a favorite song. Like, I almost felt like switching the rank to ranking song, but then that would have became hard. So so if I I had to pick one, I'd probably say Stink Fist, just because that's what introduced me to the band and made me an instant fan. So it always has like that special place with me. I I always go to that one, like it opens the album even. And like, I go to that one a lot when I revisit songs and has like the music video, which was a big part of me getting into them. So probably for me, 46 and two is my, I'm sorry, (laughs) Stinkfist. <laughs> Can't choose. I get it, man. I totally get it. Uh, sorry, a yeah, stinkfist is probably if I if I had to had to pick one, probably stinkfist because I can think of enough justifications.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have to balance it, it is. A, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good choice. It's very clever with the lyrics, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a it's a very like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. The first half of it, anyway. So it's easy to get into but that's an impossible question. Like, yeah, like we haven't even talked about H, which is an amazing song and it has an amazing buildup at the end. I don't know. I've, I've, I really love, it really taught me something about just having, having a loop, like a guitar loop and, and how powerful it can be just having chords moving underneath that. So that song in particular sticks out too. Um,
1: that's so funny should... you said H because that's one of the ones I probably don't, jump to all the time really like i it's not that i like if listening through the album like i'll let it play through but i wouldn't say it's a particular favorite for me but I, it, there's like good parts to it i love that droney bass distorted sound which they would go on to use a yeah. lot <laughs> like over the next few albums it has like a sexy feel to it in a way yes. with the meeting and the baseline and everything but
0: yeah, the ending. The ending. Just how it's building up, and then it, the switches, and there's all these little switches when it's building. I was
1: trying. That's what I was trying to break down, though, because there's so many good sections on this album. Whereas, like that song for me, yeah, there are parts I like, but if I had to pick a song, and like it is a song that personally I don't revisit as much, so for me that, that's not one of my favorites personally. But yeah. Okay. See how yeah. someone else would love it. You know what I mean? Like I still totally get it. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it's not constant for me. It's not like the whole time through that song is amazing, or I'm not. I am hooked because I know it, and you know it's that whole have patience. But I'm have I have patience for the ending because I love the ending so much. So, you know, I can I can sit through the beginning no problem. But I love the beginning too. I love the whole yeah. the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I can't answer the question, Gordon. I I don't know. Fist, Eulogy H forty six two hooky, hooker with a penis. Push it, Anima. Jimmy's barely making the list, and Third Eye for
2: sure. Yeah, for me, um, I, I I like Third Eye a lot. Uh, it's weird that it's the longest song, but like after listening to Tool like all week, it's like 13 minutes is like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, pretty much all the reasons I, I had, I guess my my high school or 15 year old moment, just like the the prying at my Third Eye part. Like, well, the song starts pretty quiet, like a little bit of the heartbeat, getting the Bill Hicks quote, kind of builds up, but then when it like was like around nine and a half minutes in when that part hits you're just like fucking right like this is amazing
1: yeah the thing about that song too is like you don't know where it's gonna go next like you'll be listening to one part and you're like okay they're probably gonna kick in that guitar riff again but then it got, does something completely different you're like whoa this yeah. just kind of and it's the last track so when you, when you reach the last track you think you figured out the band to some extent and you're like no nope, i have no idea what the fuck's coming next which yeah you didn't know what was coming next with the next album, which kind of pushed all that even further. Totally. Yeah. It seems like on this
0: album, I don't know if they kind of moved away from this a little bit, but it seems like on this album, every song there is some moment that is like a hook that you can wait for. Like even in, in Jimmy, I was thinking, okay, wait a minute. because I was going to cross it off the list as one I didn't like as much. But then there's, like, the, that hook in the middle, which basically like a chorus. It's like, oh, yeah, that part's sweet. And then the whole thing that
1: happens after is, is really good. So it's like, fuck, I don't know. I found a lot with Later Alice, the li- lyrically, his lyrics don't fit the structure of the music. He's just sort of like, these are his lyrics, he's just going to sing it through the song. It's not going to be verse, chorus, whatever. It's yeah. just more it's linear kind of yeah it's the thing yeah which is awesome i love some of the, my favorite moments are when the music is changing and his lyric is still kind of being presented in the same i don't know he does a lot of cool stuff lyrically but uh but yeah is the lyric the way they write lyrics especially with the music it seemed like it did have a change after this album mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah so i mean just like oh sorry um, just a quick note about the lyrics. Um, basically, I think the music gets put together and then Maynard's like just strictly focused on the lyrics. So he'll come in and and, and, and write all the lyrics afterwards. And on Lateralis for that song specifically, it's like, it's pretty crazy because that's like the whole Fibonacci numbers sequence thing. And like he he saw like the, the weird time signature and then he kind of just made the lyrics for that song like syllables. So they match like the that um the fibonacci numbers or sequence and yeah. like to me that's just like crazy like i think it was like wednesday night i was watching like youtube videos doing the research for this and then all of a sudden like i get into that and i'm like okay am i am i putting on the tinfoil hat And i'm just gonna go go for it am i gonna go full tool but i kind of stopped there but that part is super interesting
1: that's the thing for me Whereas like when i was a kid i, w- I found a lot of the stuff like really interesting and stuff getting into them whereas now it's like is the song's good, <laughs> uh, right? Whereas, all like, well, that background stuff is still there, and like, I do like that the band, like, you know, I like when bands kind of do something and keep stuff interesting for fans and have, you know, but it still has, it comes down to the songs: do they rock or not? And these ones. Well, too. yeah,
0: they, they still have to sound good, and I hope that's still top of mind when Tool's writing music. It's not just math, not, like I hope
2: so. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, like, like can- without doing research, what when- would I have known that? Like, I would have never known that just yeah. hearing the song.
1: It's like, yeah. even with Radiohead, when you hear about some of the stuff they do, it's like, okay, is the song good, though? Like, the fact that you wrote a song about, you know, based on Carl Jung's theory of quantum <laughs> whatever. whatever. <you> know. <laughs> right. Okay. But does it, could I tap my foot to it? <laughs> can yeah, I air yeah. car to it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, so, okay. Yeah. But sometimes, like, they're sometimes... Able, they're, well, they're doing it, so I'm not. I'm just saying that that stuff, it only really matters if the music's good.
0: You're right. It, it, it's like that's, that those are the frills. You can't yeah. just be all frills.
1: Yeah.
2: Right, um, so I think we kind of hinted at this earlier um, but uh, is there a song you skip? I'll answer real quick. Um, I've listened to this album, I guess, three times this week. And uh, I didn't skip any songs once. I mean, if I was, I, like I said earlier, I think it's more of an experience. So if I'm going to put on a Tool album, I'm probably just going I'm, to, I'm preparing to listen to the whole 70 or 80 minutes, and I'm not going to skip anything. Um, I, I've never done a Tool playlist. So maybe if I started doing that, it would, I, I'd start skipping things. But I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: yeah i i skip i skip because i just love the song so much and you you, for you like it's a it's fresher so like you want to experience the whole album but like i just love these songs in isolation outside of this album's existence so much that like when i put it on if i'm not going to have it on in the background if i'm like doing something or uh, I'll I'll go Stinkfist Eulogy H then right to Forty Six and Two and then right to Hit Hooker with a Penis and I might listen to the intermission because it feeds into Jimmy and then I'll go to Push It I'll just skip through I'll skip I'll, I'll skip pretty much all the stuff that Anise still listens to for some reason <laughs>
1: <laughs> for for me I'm kind of similar to Ryan where it's uh, for me now because they you know their albums are kind of like pretty long to kind of get through and. I, I I wish I had more time to just kind of, I guess now we're stay at home order again, but you know, to have time to just throw headphones on, lay back and just let the album play out. For me, I just more jump back more to songs, but pretty much every song on here, I'll jump back to when I'm, yeah. when, when I'm diving into Tool. The only songs I kind of don't is like I was saying earlier with H. And then though I, when I first discovered this as a kid where the intermission goes into Jimmy, it's the same riff. Jimmy isn't one of my particular favorites either, so that's not one I will revisit as much. But I do listen. But I do listen to both those songs. It's not mm-hmm. like I will, if I'm doing an album, listen through. I'm going to listen through the album. But those are probably the two that I don't revisit at all. But other than that, I like this album is pretty much regular rotation. But for me, especially when you get more into the metal side of things, there's very little of stuff that fills this sort of uh, need for me. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Especially like tools specifically, like they just are so unique that they fill a specific uh, need musically. And when I do a deep dive in the tool, it'll be pretty much all the albums. So it, it'll be like, but different songs each time. So it might be one time Stinkfist and Schism and The Pot. The next time it's Jambi and Hush and Eulogy. You know, it's always like kind of different songs I'll jump to. But yeah, yeah. but but those two are probably the ones I jumped to the least H and Jimmy.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, so I guess kind of random question since I was all week, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm on to the next one because I just did it in chronological order. And every time I turn on or start an album on Spotify, I'm like, Oh, well this one be like 55 minutes and everyone's like 70 minutes or longer. Like I think the most recent one's almost 90 minutes long. Yeah. Do you think that hurts them? Like they're people
1: like getting into them, listening to them? I think that's sort of their like thing though. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like if you're a fan of Tool, uh, this is what you are come to expect at this point, these long epic songs. That's what I was saying for me, I became a little detached because especially with Fear Inoculum and the way my relationship with Tool is now where it is more just jumping to tracks from jumping to the newer tracks, I don't have much of a relationship with them yet because they are so new. And it was hard for me to even form one because they're so long that my, like to get through one song is longer than my drive to work. Yeah, so like, right. I'm listening in the car while I'm driving to work, I can't get through it. The only time I could listen was at the gym, but then the gym's closed. So, yeah. so like, especially like this week, get preparing for this, that album specifically was hard to listen through just because I was in the with like the busy lives I have live I have now it's hard to fit in you know even two songs from that album when I'm driving yeah. to work or to the store or whatever
0: yeah it's like they're so unpredictable when you were younger you did all that work already listening to Tool over and over so you can revisit those songs you already have that all memorized yeah but to listen to a new Tool song is, is a little bit more difficult unless you know I think does hurt them though like not that they would need like shorter songs or less songs on the album or a shorter album. It's just they had kind of on this album really established a, a formula. It's not in a, not in a bad way because they, they really explored it and they played around with it a lot where you basically, and this was happening on Undertow too, where you'd have like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind of deal. And something like that, not exactly that but a song a song structure that you could you could feel almost like this could go on the radio and then it would veer off into a longer bridge sometimes coming back or with some epic ending or something like that but you had that first strong uh, like songlet structure off the top to like grab you in like stink fist you get into that verse and the chorus and then sure we can spend five minutes going off on an epic or something like that don't worry. Mm-hmm. There's a gem at the end too. That balance really is what makes Tool so special to me. I mean, that's what dr- draws me in and keeps me in. That's why I love this album so much. So the the further they move from they moved away from that in Lateralis, but they were still in there a little bit.
1: Yeah, and then but, yeah. That's what I was saying, was trying to say earlier with, like, on, for me at least, Anima and later Alice was like their peak just because it was a time where they were still being progressive and doing a lot of different stuff and having their, you know, crazy bridges, extended chorus, like solos or whatever they were doing, the outros. They would have pre choruses, choruses, refrains. Can't like even they were,
0: categorize it, yeah, yes. they
1: were just doing all these different parts of songs and it was like cool. And then, with uh, 10,000 days, I remember not getting into it as much, like certain, at that point, like certain tracks were jumping out. And then now like even like, even like looking on Spotify with the new album, like I know everything was released at once at the same time for Tool pretty much. If you're inoculum coming a week or two later or a month later or whatever it was. But when you look at the streams, Numa is the only song that's in the top 10 in streams. Which is also the song that I play when I revisit Fear Inoculum. Hmm. Like if I that's the song I've kind of like is the one that stuck out to me when I first listened to it. So when I do want to revisit Fear Inoculum, it's usually that song. And then when I look at the streams, I'm like, oh, it seems like everyone is revisiting that one particular <laughs> particular song. Considering that's the newest album, you would expect I thought maybe you'd get five of the songs in the top ten just because everyone would want to jump and listen to it. But it seemed like people were jumping back, listening to the hits. So it seems like a lot of people do what we are doing,
0: <laughs> right. where where it's just like the hits are getting a little thinner on the albums. Like with Ten Thousand Days, you had those two or three tracks that were really good, yeah. and but and Lateralus, a lot of it is really good, but it's not as dense in terms of like song form as this
1: album, Anima. Yeah. We, the- when you look at their top ten on uh, on uh, Spotify, you have The Pot by Curious and Jambi from 10,000 Days and then you have Schism and Later Alice from Later Alice, 46 and 2 and Stink Fist and Onoma from Anima, and then just Numa. So it seems like everyone's just sort of revisiting that one track or maybe it's on a playlist and that's the thing like the album is good, don't get me wrong I enjoy the album but I'm at the point now for me to get into something, I have to be able to digest it more and it's it's becoming harder for me to digest and like when being older just having a busy life and the yeah. songs are 10 9 plus minutes on average.
0: And if there's no sing along at any point and you're not having
1: to learn the guitar parts because you're not, like so yeah. We, what what happened a lot of times is I'd put the album on, I'd get two or three tracks in and then I'd throw on like the pot and then yeah. I, two or three more songs and then throw on Stink because it was almost like they were missing. It's I know it's like a very general, you know, maybe I'm going against what the Tool cults, what they've come to expect or what a Tool fan is supposed to be and what they want. But for me, I still want those like, I'm not even saying give me a three minute pop song. I'm saying give me like a six, five, six minute song where I can get into it. It has a chorus I can sing along to. It's kind of missing those elements that... You know, when I put on Tool, a big part of it is I sing along while I'm driving in the car or whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So,
0: so Gordon, you you mentioned like Maynard just comes in after the fact. Maybe back then or back in 1996 or '95 when this was—I don't know how long it took them to record it—but maybe when they were working on this, like they made more space for Maynard, and like as time goes on, they're just getting more lost in their own instrumental craziness. I don't know. Uh, yeah. For whatever reason, I agree with you. I think we can criticize Tool; it's okay. They're not perfect, and I also would like more songs with just a little bit more of that balance away from the. I love proggy, crazy music. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you need a balance, and give me a reason to to listen to the rest of it. You know, to get to know the rest of it.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you guys are absolutely right on that. Where, um, I mean this the earlier stuff has more traditional songs but they've leaned into the, the length like fear inoculum this, the physical version has seven songs and it's 79 minutes so it's just double digits across the board um so yeah i get that i mean i am always scared about tool because it's like if i say something wrong is somebody gonna just gonna show up at my door and be like just demand an apology or something <laughs> right now <I> <laughs> yeah, maynard exactly.
0: on live stream. <laughs> no.
2: he's wearing a bra and painted blue <laughs> Typical. Um, okay, so I guess that kind of wraps up some song questions. Um, did you guys have anything that we may have missed or that you want to talk about?
1: Uh, yeah. We should also mention that this was a, uh, because uh, with Opiate and Undertow, it was a different bass player. And well, they, yeah,
2: that's right, yeah. So the bass player I did see has some credits on some of the songs yeah. on this album, like a handful, but like, I've been on that's Stink about Fist,
1: it. Stink Fist, Eulogy, Push It. Some and of the all, singles, yeah. yeah. All the bigger tracks. Uh, he has writing credits, but he doesn't actually perform on the album.
2: Oh, right? he just wrote uh, the
0: bass line.
1: Probably in the room. or Not even necessarily. He's probably just in the room when the song is written. I could be as well. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I did find on this album is when you did see a bit of a change in the bass lines, like the bass sort of playing a different role in a lot of the songs. Yes. Whereas the only song that it really stuck out in prior was like the intro of like Hush and Sober, but it's just sort Sober, of that... Yeah. No, no, but it's just that kind of thing whereas this it seemed like you know a song like 46 and 2 it's doing so much
0: (laughs) those are the two compare the intro to sober and the intro to 46 and 2 and you can get the different bass players right away yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah
1: but no I, I, i i i i prefer i thought that I, I hated Paul De or whatever; or he was horrible or anything. But I did like the addition of Justin Chancellor on the salmon, kind of gave him a different element. And then even I remember going back and listening to the previous band he was in. I believe it was called Peach. They, you could definitely hear the, uh, the influence. At Actually, the bass
0: interesting. I, I seem to remember like maybe we dug that up through Napster yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah it was one, one of those me.
1: like. Because when the internet and downloading, we were kind of touched on in the Weezer episode, but when that all came out, it was sort of like filling in the holes of all the back catalog of the bands we like from the 90s.
0: It was an amazing, like that will never happen again, where Napster connected everybody's catalogs. You could find the weirdest stuff, like the weirdest under, uh, there's tool live versions that I, I'll never hear again because it was on like one guy's computer like yeah
2: damn copyright <laughs> <laughs> um so i did see some crazy video i don't know have you guys seen this where um on he's performing push it live and like a fan jumps on stage and he's a martial artist so he like grabs the fan the fan kind of goes up and puts his hand on his shoulder he grabs the fan flips him over his shoulder onto the ground puts him in a rear naked snake uh uh chokehold and then and then so the fan like it's not hard he's not applying pressure he's still singing the song and the fans like yeah like showing like he's he's okay and then so he he, he's got him and then he finally flips a fan over like onto his stomach so he's lying like prone on the stage on his stomach and he just sits on him for like the rest of the song so it's like it's got to be over 10 minutes straight where he's just playing the song and by the end the fans no longer like cheering he's just like lying on the ground like (laughs) he doesn't know what to do it's awkward but it's so great at the same time
1: Where's security when this is happening? Well, so, <laughs> so so happening. Some, other
2: fans, some other fans are jumping on, and security's kind of taking them, but, like, once they saw what Maynard did to that guy, they're just like, okay, we're going to let that go. And then once Maynard finally gets off him, I think when the song ends, that's when security comes in and takes him off.
1: I mean, yeah, I find since awesome. Tool doesn't really post much, like additional content online like it's hard to find like i don't even think there is any like good quality live tool videos right I think there's one decent one of sober that's professionally recorded that's on there but there's like a cool video showing danny Carey playing drums to one of the tracks I, I can't remember which one but there's one where it's a vocal coach and she's it's a sober live video and she's kind of critiquing it that's kind of cool because she's like well this, this guy's voice is really impressive and she was like kind of impressed by his vocal performance and how just sort of he has so much emotion and what he's singing and stuff and i'm like yeah it's kind of cool hearing like getting justification from someone who doesn't even listen to this music to be like this guy's a great voice
0: <laughs> yeah well that's the thing about tool they're respected by like musicians from yep. all different because like we didn't listen to metal and we it's gravitated towards tool so like a lot of people coming from different places can pick up on it
1: yeah, so but we you- were kind of, we were sort of primed, too, because, like, this album was, because with Later Alice, they sort of started tuning down, whereas this album, they weren't yet. And at this time, too, was when we are getting, like, Raging Against the Machine. We got Tool, Nine Inch Nails, which kind of led us into the dark times of new metal of the late 90s. Because <laughs> 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 you got to think, like, Korn and stuff were, were out around this time as well, right? So this was all yeah. part of sort of more commercially friendly metal because it wasn't your typical like speed metal metal or Metallica metal, the, like the proggy metal, which I yeah. guess new metal, new metal would fall into a bit of the proggy stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. I'm,
0: yeah. I'm certainly glad there's no r- rapping on a tool album. Yeah.
2: Actually, maybe that
0: would be... Uh, I it's,
1: it's funny because a lot of it is just like presentation because there's moments like when you're listening to some tracks and they're rocking out, you're like, this could be a... Uh, Raging at the Machines riff. Yeah. Like it yeah. was perfectly fit. And Adam, I believe Adam Jones and uh, Tom Morello were in a band together prior because Adam yes. Jones is a trained bass player and he was playing bass in a band with Tom Morello prior to Tool and Rage. So right, Yeah,
2: so those guys were like kind of friends. There is a, definitely a connection there. And uh, Tom Morello credits Maynard for introducing him to like drop D tuning. And stuff like that. So there was a Hi. brief period of time because I guess they all kind of were in LA at the same time. I think I think Adam Jones was friends with Tom Morello first, but then they all kind of met each other and yes. and that's how they uh, came together. But there was a time, it's kind of like a sliding door situation where like they were both hanging out with Maynard and, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Zach de la Rocha. And um, it's, they were more or less trying them out to see who would be the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine. And they went with Chat Zach Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see like what Rage Against the Machine would have been like if Maynard was on it would Tool exist would would Zach be on would be part of Tool I don't know probably not but
1: I think things worked out (laughs) (laughs) they worked out yeah I think you're right but it's funny because Maynard is on the first Rage album
2: Yeah, yeah he is yeah he's featured on it yeah so yeah no it's crazy how it's like uh it's like the possibilities, but yeah.
0: can you can you we're... imagine that if it was the same writing process tool just like does their usual thing and then okay Zach throw on some rhymes it's like what he's like what the hell am I supposed to do here <laughs> yeah
2: I want to hear that album now nice um, so just I think deep uh, deep. yeah yeah I want to hear the algorithm actually
1: <laughs> algorithm version.
2: Um, so I guess this can take us to the artwork you guys talked about a little bit before. Um, like I mentioned, I didn't own this album. Uh, but it did come with like a lens thing for you to kind of see different images or something like that, right?
1: Okay, the cover was like the like lenticular, so it, like moved. And then so same as when you took the CD out underneath the CD was clear and you could do the same thing. But I believe in later releases, it was just the black at the bottom. But then I also remember the booklet for some reason, like where it folds, it was all sort of serrated so you could rip it apart, I guess, if you wanted to. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it had all the lyrics inside. I mean, that's how I remember following along the lyrics with the songs and stuff. But yeah, it was all like that trippy DMT imagery. Yeah. Nice.
0: <laughs> it is pretty um, trippy. Like, just look, just the album cover, like, what are you
1: even looking at? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I, Adam Jones, I believe, does all the artwork uh, with that because <laughs> yeah. he does all the music videos as well.
1: Yeah, because he has like a background. I believe he was like a Prior to the band, he was like a special effects artist. He like did work on Terminator Two. If you watch like the special features on Terminator Two, they they talk to him in interview. Oh, really? (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, because I saw he's like on. He did like Predator
2: Two. Did Jurassic Park as well. uh, A few other things, but um, yeah, that's that's really cool. I should watch this.
1: When you when you you actually watch a Terminator Two behind the scenes, because you get Adam Jones in it, and then you get uh, what's his name, the T One Thousand. What's his name? Oh, uh, like Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. He's wearing a Nine Inch Nails hat because at the time his brother Robert Patrick was a guitar player for Nine Inch Nails, who then later went on to start Filter.
2: Oh, nice. Um, yeah. That's so crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a rock Legacy in that movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And it had that Guns N' Roses song, which was like super big yeah. at the time.
1: Yeah. And then he's wearing the Public Enemy shirt.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> the cops are the bad guys it's like so ahead of its time (laughs) um so I guess this can can move us on to kind of some more uh band general band questions uh how often is this album or is Tool in your rotation uh Ryan
0: quite often like I think I've gone through periods where I didn't listen to them for a long period of time but then Mm -hmm. as soon as you put it back on it's like supercharged right away it doesn't it's because all that work you did when you are younger, well, I did, memorizing all the little changes and stuff, it's still there. So, you know, it's just, it's actually a real treat leaving it for a while and then coming back because all of those memories of all those details come flooding back and it's just that much more, yeah. But all the time, like, and bits, bits of Tool will come and, yeah. but this album more than anything else. I would say, yeah, material mm-hmm. from this album, yeah. How about you, Nis?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like the same with Ryan. there. like, there's, there's obviously times where I didn't listen to them as much. <clears throat> I remember sort of after, uh, sort of like the later Alice era, when I was kind of getting into, you know, the indie rock and stuff. I wasn't listening to them as much. Yeah, I was sort of into the college college rock thing at the time, but. After that period, I sort of kind of got back into them. And then especially when they did that, when they actually put their stuff on Spotify, they were more accessible for me personally to play just because my CDs are all in boxes now. And like prior to that, it'd be, I'd jump onto YouTube and, you know, kind of, oh, I'm going to listen to Anima. Oh, I'm going to listen to Stingfist. Oh, I'm going to listen to The Pot. Oh, I'm going to listen to The Schism or whatever. Whereas now, because with Spotify, I can just put a song on and let, you know, three or four songs play out. It's not as picky choosy. Not that I don't do that with Tool. A lot of what I do with Tool is that, mm-hmm. like, it's it's very rare that I'll put on an album from top to bottom. But the the ones I do that to the most is this one and later Alice. Yeah. yeah. But I play music from every release pretty much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For me, I guess it's. Not applicable because I I really kind of dove into them this week. Um, but I'm not afraid to to listen to them. So I mean, like I said, you have to be in a specific mood. But at the same time, I I probably wouldn't mind just doing like play most popular and just go through Spotify like that and do like wherever that takes me. Um, just because I probably recognize songs, singles, and stuff like that. The singles you'll come to mind first, right? So yeah, I I'm not afraid to do it. It's just it's yeah, never been in my rotation.
1: <laughs> Don't be afraid,
2: Yeah.
0: I'll also just mention it's a good song for, like, a drummer to work, like, just get work, a good drum workout, get warmed up. Although I made the mistake of doing that this week after na- not playing along with Tool for, like, since forever. And I immediately broke my thin jazz sticks, like, which sucks because I'm pretty sure the, the drum store is closed. Right now it's closed.
2: <laughs>
1: have the order online. Yeah. yeah yeah I, know. I just remember even when playing guitar playing their songs were fun because i remember covering like sober and stink fist they're just fun to play fans of crime that was good, <laughs>
0: so, that was good. A weird uh, song to sing definitely a little what off. song
1: sorry did you guys cover uh we covered sober but we more, fist, more often stink fist we played stink yeah. fist. Oh, okay nice um so i guess
2: uh where do you guys rank this album in the band's discography I, i'll go first just because i mean i don't know how 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 much weight my ranking will carry um i went with o- Anima first just because um, i was pretty happy with with this album hearing it from beginning to end for the first time a few times throughout the week i thought it was it was, it's a pretty solid album uh, then i went with lateralis just because i've most familiarity uh then i like undertow because um there's a few songs that i recognized early on i, I when i downloaded songs in the past i didn't know which album they were from, so I recognized more songs from that. Even though that album's easily their heaviest album, it feels like early, like Rage Against the Machine, like a very, very heavy album. And then Fear Inoculum, and then 10,000 Days. Um, so I, I, Fear Inoculum, I, went, I I liked where it kind of went a little more electronic. It wasn't always, it's not, I wouldn't call it an electronic album at all, but um, it, it seemed to, you could tell they're changing things up. And 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 they're adding new uh, instruments or, or I guess weapons to their arsenal. Uh, so that's why I put it above ten thousand days. Although the plot is like a really good song.
1: Yeah, yours was your list was kinda of similar to mine. But I went because I was going back and forth for Anima or Later Alice being my favorite, just because of like Yeah. Which one I I I listened to them a lot. Like those are two I kinda like played the shit out of, like to the point where my Jewel case for Animo was all smashed up, and I couldn't change it because it was a lenticular cover. And then even the later Alice came in a slip cover that's plastic, that's all ripping, and it's all dirty. It's like, yeah. Oh. But <laughs> but I went <laughs> I, I went with Onimo just because of it, the one I got into first. So I don't nostalgia always trumps everything for me. And then later Alice, then Undertow. I found it funny you said it was the heaviest because on later Alice and future album they literally get heavier by tuning the guitars lower but uh mm-hmm. but I know what you mean it's the most like uh aggressive like aggressive Maybe the hardest hitting yeah it's like the most like kind of hardcore sounding right of the albums but and then I went 10,000 days and I put opiate ahead of fear inoculum <laughs> I put fear inoculum at the bottom and it's not that I hate it and it's not I think I made a, made my points kind of earlier but it's just sort of I haven't I think I will at some point get into it, but I just haven't got into it yet. Right. I'm just at the yeah. point where I'm like trying to put some of those songs from that album like regularly into my two whole deep dives. So I can see that album sort of moving up over the years, but it's hard to compare when, you know, it was 15 years or whatever between albums or whatever the hell it was.
2: Yeah. 13 years.
1: <laughs> 13 years. So it's like I've spent... 13 more years with all this other music than this. So it's hard to put it above anything else. So that's why I put it at the bottom. I put it at the bottom with the caveat that I expect it to move up over time. You expect it to beat Opiate. <laughs> I like
2: Opiate.
1: Well, but really but no, that's what I'm saying. It might move up in my, I might, this whole order might change in another five, 10 years because of what I'm listening to more in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave it off the, my list because I haven't listened to it obviously. But I'm going to just guess that it would probably be at the bottom just because of the same thing. It, it's going to take me time. I couldn't have listened to it in a week and gotten to know it like I know these other albums.
1: even, like, to be honest, like 10,000 days, it probably took me like a solid, like, two, three years where I was like playing some of the songs on that just as much as I was playing songs from other albums when I would go back to listen to Tool. So, same, same. Yeah.
0: And also, I had the same deal with Lateralis or. Onima. yeah because like automa really is like almost like more of a punch in the face but lateralis kind of opened my mind more like it kind of like exploring different musical ideas more push push my my limits and i was growing with it so almost like there's more nostalgia for that for that for me because i it was coming out at the time so but automa is a Arguably maybe a better album. I am gonna have to keep it at one. So Autumo's one, Lateralis is two, and then Undertow. And Undertow Gordon, you said it was the heaviest album, is that what you said?
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think it went it more aligned with what like Anise was saying, it's like the hardest hitting or the most aggressive. Yeah. That's probably yeah, more yeah. or less what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well maybe like the bass and the drums sound is a bit heavier than uh, more like hard rocky as opposed to the guitar the guitar seems to get heavier over time i would agree
1: but uh you could also like an album like undertow and then uh the rage against the machine self-titled those are kind of like they almost fall in the same line like a bit more hardcore and tools a bit more metal but they're of the same vein yeah yeah i agree
2: with that i like the whole time i was listening to undertow i just kept thinking of like that that first rage. i guess the self-title of the first rage yeah
0: yeah yeah well then i would put Ten thousand days because i really love some of the songs and like you were saying it took a while for me to get into and still i'm not a lot of it i don't go back to uh but then opiate i remember downloading like the song opiate sweet song so that was that one kind of like drew me in for that album
1: i remember for me i we got i got first because that's the one i was sort of introduced to and then when I was going to go back and buy older albums, I'm like, I'll go in order. I'll buy Opiate. So I <laughs> opiate. And then I got Undertow after, and then later Alice came out. So yeah. Opiate's pretty short. Isn't it like five or six tracks or something? Yeah, it's technically an EP, I guess. Yeah, And like half the songs are live. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I really like Hush. And now it's like the only music video where they're in it. Yeah. And it's not on youtube
2: (laughs) oh really
1: yeah well not like on their not posted from their official break right Right. which is weird because i wondered if it's because they're in it walking naked but it's just funny because the song is about censorship and it's the one being censored off of youtube so yeah
0: that is pretty funny um can you imagine them playing hush now i'm sure it's not on their set list can you imagine them having a song like hush on an album We'll see where they and go I, next.
1: I saw the best the best comment when I was because uh, like, sometimes I like to go on to YouTube and just read people's comments of what people say. And uh, on uh, Hush, the funniest comment was I just discovered Tool recently and the most amazing thing about this song is that it's under three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's the only one.
2: Really. Yeah, I think I, I totally like fucked up because I didn't hear that EP at all because I, I didn't include it because it's not like a studio album it's not a full length album but I really should I'll go back and listen to it after we're done here
1: yeah it's, it's good like you'll especially if you like Undertow is of the same vein yeah. they're, they're, it's funny because they're the type of band that when Undertow came out which goes to what the lyrics of Hooker with a Penis are about when Undertow, Undertow came out they said it was too commercial and they gone too soft from Opiate and they sold out and then when Anima came out same thing and then yeah but then now they're just sort of you know legends or whatever ever since so mm-hmm. yeah
2: interesting um so what any is where do you see their peak being i mean you can define it however you you want um i i honestly don't know how to answer this question because it just seems like tools always kind of had a presence and have been relevant, and people have always loved them. So I don't know what their true peak is. I, like I said at the beginning, I don't. There's songs when I downloaded that were from like their first album, their first studio album, and I thought it was from like Lateralis. So I have no idea. Um, what do you What do you think is their peak?
1: I would probably say uh when Lateralis came out, almost for the same reasons. Because it's funny because it came out the same year, I think, same day as the Weezer Green album. I always equate oh, yeah. those. I always equate those two albums together because they were 90s bands coming back after years apart. Yeah. And I had, I forgot to mention this in the Weezer album, but above my bed, I had a green album poster. But then on my wall, I had a poster of uh, Adam Jones and Justin Chancellor because this is the era where I was putting posters on my wall. But <laughs> coming out. And at that time, there was like just for Tool, it was just such a push because... They, I know they only had two albums under their belt when later Alice came out, but it seemed like they were a legacy act coming back and everyone was just so amped. And it's partially because their music is so different, so good, so unique. It's artist, artist music. And it had been a while, there's hype. And plus at the time, the heavy music was back. So you had, or was popular. So you had the new metal being popular. So a lot of those fans were fans of Tool in the 90s. If they knew who Tool was, so everything just seemed like a big deal. And it seemed like when that album came out, it popped. Yeah. So it just seemed culturally that's when they sort of became more of like a household name. But yeah, for me, I'd say that was their peak. But I could also hear Anima because it did win a Grammy and all that. So yeah. But Schism,
0: like people who I wouldn't have expected to like that song were like, oh, it's a really cool song. Sounds really cool. I'm like, what? What like people who like fans of punk music or just stuff stuff that isn't like weird like this? Schism was on the radio a lot, and it's a big song. This really didn't make any sense. I was probably one of
2: those people. I was like, yeah. I like that song, but I don't like, have any connection to anything else.
1: Because yeah. I think for a band that's like they do something that's so different and unique, and people when they hear it, they know they're hearing something different and unique, and they know they're hearing something good, even if they don't like it. I, I, I think people, even if they didn't like Tool, they would probably find the music interesting and kind of yeah. understand the appeal of it all.
0: Yeah. They have enough cred that you're like, okay, let's listen. Maybe I just have to get to know the song. So that's what I really hope they're not abusing with like later out al- with the new album. And you guys know the album, so you can answer this, that, you know, you trust that they're just, you're going to listen to Tool. You're going to learn all the notes. But you still like, does that mean that they're not putting in the whatever people just listen to whatever we put out? I hope not. I hope that's that that's not the end.
1: No, I don't think that's what they're falling into. I think they're just almost, I don't want to speak for anyone or not that it's like a negative thing, but it's almost like they're trying too hard. Like, I don't know, like is for them is writing a song even fun, or maybe that's what they find fun in the details and then the huh. building these epics. So I don't know if they're. Their music is good, and if they're enjoying doing it, and their fans are are generally liking Tool, and like they were touring when the pandemic hit, and they were sold out everywhere, it was hard to get tickets. So they're doing everything right.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I do trust them, and I'm I'm you know gonna listen to the new album, and I'm excited to hear what they do next. So they got yeah. me.
1: They're the type of band like even before I even listen to a new album, I assume it's good. Like I don't assume <laughs> they're gonna release shit especially since they release so scarce. It's like yeah. it's something i brought up a bunch like when you compare a band like Weezer who's dropping because there're the two bands that came back that same year. So you have a band like Weezer who's kind of dropping multiple albums a year and it's just sort of becomes so redundant. And whereas like Tool is such a unique band, have such a unique sound and everything, you would think that getting too much Tool might get a bit redundant, but it's not. And they're so scarce with it. And whenever they release it it's almost I was talking about this with my brother. I was like, it almost seems like each album, there's an album missing in between to connect them. Like, they're not too far apart, but it's almost like there should have been something in between Undertone and Anima. There should have been something between Anima and Lateralis. There should have been something.
0: Could be, but but that might erase.
1: No, no, not of- that there should have been, but the way, the amount that their music changes. Yeah. Really- it's almost like there's a miss- something missing in between. Not that there should be anything, because if they see, were- yeah, yeah. But if they- the thing is, if they were doing that, it'd probably like water down their sound. Whereas the fact that it is scarce and that they they let each album breathe and give time between the release of albums, it gives them more time to evolve and change and give you something different. So like even Fear Inoculum, like it was different than what Ten uh, Thousand Days was but it'd been so long and it has all the same elements they're still the same band but it's different they don't have a song with like the pod on there anymore but i don't know it's just sort of ever expanding yeah
2: yeah they kind of strike me as like the stanley kubrick of music where it's like they're they, it's so many years in between projects, but when they're making a pro, like making a movie or, or a record, it's like they're always making like this super complex, very difficult. Like they're always making 2001: A Space Odyssey, where yeah. it takes years. But then when you see the result, you're like, okay, yeah, I see why you took all the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, Pretty we much.
0: want we want artists to do that. I mean, it takes a lot more out of the artist to put that time and effort in, and you know, not putting out hits and stuff. So, but we want that or you will get nothing but bubblegum pop.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing too, like listening to Fear Inoculum, it's not like my, pro- my problem is almost like I don't have the time or, or I'm not willing to give up the time to get into it. Cause when you do listen to it, it is like a Kubrick movie where it might be three hours, but that scene is cool. I like that line. That's a cool lighting in that scene. That's cool. This You could do the same thing in a two album. Oh, I like that lyric. That's a cool guitar riff. That's a really cool drum fill. That bass rough is really cool, but it's, it might not be for a whole song. It might be for a part. It might be for a minute. It might be for 10 minutes, but yeah. it's just giving you so much. And it's so dense that it does take a while to fully absorb it all and fully appreciate it in the ways that I appreciate the songs from Anima, the songs from Later Alice. I can't, it, like, it's going to take me a while to absorb the fear inoculum and just with the way life is now i have less time to dedicate to do that which is a sad part of getting older <laughs> yeah
0: but it's like that's high information music it's going to take more time It's just like yeah. classical music you put on a classical piece you're not like that's a good beat you got to be like okay what's what's going to happen what's happening yeah. here you're along for a ride so.
2: yeah and i think i've seen some maynard interviews and uh he's he's like the first to admit that he's like we're difficult with each other to work with. Like we have meetings and then like, just like for them to come to the decision to like s- release their catalog for streaming took years. And it was like, why do you, you know what the end results are going to be like uh, the first time you have the conversation but like guys get stuck in their ways. But at the same time, that's what makes the band so good. Cause you have those guys that are like, this is what I've done my entire career and, and look where it's got me. I'm not going to back off on this. And like I, that's I, where you see those infightings or that kind I, of co- kind of dialogue, I guess.
1: Because I forget his exact quote, but he was saying like people would jump on him on like Twitter or whatever online just being like, fuck, like just put your shit on Spotify. And he's like, fuck, I want it on Spotify too. Like, don't yell at me. I'm not the problem. I'm not the one holding it up. Right. (laughs) But like, it's just. talking, Danny. It's interesting (laughs) to see that like, even in this band, like there's only four of them. And if it's still a democracy. So if two wanted on, two wanted off or three wanted on one wants it off. Like, how are you going to juggle that? And they are a band that's all about, you know, their artistic integrity. Like they're obviously doing what they want, when they want, presenting themselves how they want. So for that, makes
0: them great though.
1: Yeah. Because... But that's what makes them great. Like their decision to go on the Spotify, like, yeah, it might be a no brainer for most people. Like, yeah, why not? You're going to get all the streams, but for a band who's not in it for the money, they're not in it for, to try to gain notoriety or cloud or any sort of fame, they have their fans. They sell out stadiums. They're selling albums like crazy. Do we need to put it on Spotify? Yeah, it just yeah. kind of they
2: want it, yeah. it
1: kind of adds to their mystery that it's not there.
2: And and the good thing is is like I've seen quotes from Maynard where he's like. Like all, maybe as rocky as they seem in between uh, records, it, you know they're always going to get back together. He's like, even in the Joe Rogan interview, he's like, those are my brothers. He's like, I, he's like I'm not going to get into like those conversations here, but those are my brothers. I always stand with them. And he's also said, we're going to make music until we're dead. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, ten years from now we see another or five years or three years. Who knows? We yeah. see more tool stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's hard to keep a band together where each one of the members is obviously, like, hugely influential in in what happens but that it's that balance between them it's not like it's like Maynard writing the songs and dishing them out it's not that kind of a band like each the guitar is really important the drums are obviously really important obviously Maynard's integral the bass is pretty important a lot of the time Uh, so like but they're not a band
1: one guy couldn't do that. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, they're not a band that can go into a studio for three months and bang out an album. They're going to need a year. They're going to need a while. They're going to have to sit with these songs and work on them. Like, they're not, yeah. their music is not like, you know, bang out. I don't want them to bang out a song in in a day. You know, I wouldn't want that from Tool. It'd be interesting to hear what they came up with, but. You do want it. <laughs> But I think also for them, they're at the point too where they're pretty much like rock gods at this point. Like their legacy is stamped. They don't want to ruin that legacy. Their discography is short enough as it is. They're not going to, at this point in their careers, they're not going to start spitting out albums every year or every two years. Just really set your own pace. Like you took 13 years. It's not like I was starved for tool content. There's so much back catalog. There's so much to appreciate in their old music because you take something away from it every time you listen to it. So yeah, so it's, yeah. So for them, take 10 years, just give me something good. Right on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, did you guys have any final thoughts before we ask the question? I, um, I'll i just jump in real quick. Have you, so uh, Maynard's like a winemaker. Have you guys ever tried his wine or considered ordering some of his wine? No. <laughs> no. I, I it's like 60 bottles I looked up some pricing and stuff it's like 60 dollars a bottle like for like a, a bottle of red I was like maybe do I get a four pack of like some meat or something like that but I don't know it's he makes it sound so interesting on, on Joe Rogan that's like I, I ever, mean I should
1: If I ever go to Arizona I'll go check
2: it out yeah I think that's when yeah. I'll do it <laughs> if I ever go to Arizona yeah um so I guess yeah we could ask the final question um is this album essential or you can answer that however you want uh, who wants to go first You want me to go first? I got probably the weakest opinion. I don't
0: know. I'll go. Go for it. Yeah, this one's essential. I think this is like I I mentioned earlier, this is the album where they hit this balance between the crazy long prog stuff and like the sing along songs. They're still like rock songs. So I think that's really, you know, it's, you can't, no album defines tool because like, and he's just saying, there's like a missing link between each album. Each album's unique enough kind of stands, stands alone. So it's not like it's a representative of the band, but I think this is where they hit the highest density of songs so on one album. So I'm going to say this is the Tool album.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'll jump um, off on that and say it's essential. I, I say, I think also it was a perfect timing for them because coming out of the whole early... The early 90s grunge and alternative wave we kind of wanted something more and something different and they came in and they sort of have a bit more of a metal sound but it was proggy and different and especially a song like "Stinkfist" played well for that crowd especially with stuff like Rage Against the Machine being around and more hardcore stuff like that and it also primed us for new metal which which is Great. sort of a weird legacy not that it's their legacy or not that they're new metal or anything but I just remember all those new metal bands every interview they'd be like you know tool rage tool rage they're all sort of tool and rage fans which is fair enough like it inspired them which is fine art always inspires other art but I don't know they were my introduction to prog not that I got really into prog rock later on but I, I was more open to it I listened to bands band like Mogwai and Siguros and not as the more metal stuff even though i do like bands like king gizzard and the lizard wizard and yeah. uh mars some, volta yeah mars volta mastodon there was some other stuff i got into but it just seemed like tool was like at the ground floor of the next wave of metal there was sort of like the bridging gap between the 80s kind of more hardcore stuff that was happening and then the later new metal more sort of proggy metal that kind of Happened afterwards, so I think Automat is sort of the beginning of that. Yeah. So it's kind of an important album culturally, and just for me personally, it was my introduction to the heavy. <laughs> so, and it yeah. just kind of taught me a lot about patience and song structures, and yeah, a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, I will say I definitely listened to t- to music differently after getting to know Tool. Yeah, like I, I I now will listen to something and. I know that sometimes it takes time to actually like it. Don't ex- and if you expect to only like stuff right away, well then you're gonna end up listening to the same stuff all the time because you never.
1: No, I did it. like. No, I did like right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. This is true.
0: And there, uh, that's the great thing about it. Yeah.
1: How about you, Gordon? What would you say? Um, as the outsider.
2: As the outsider, um, I'm glad I did this week. I will. I will say they are essential. Like this album and. Um, I guess lateralis as well, but I like this, on a lot. And yeah, I got to say tool, tool is essential. I'm glad I did this week because I feel like I kind of got like a weird history lesson, kind of going back to what you were saying where like you can see the total influence on like bands like Korn, System of a Down, like that new metal sound, but it's like it fills in the blanks where it's like, okay, I see who influenced them. Um, I also like that tool is they, they work at the beat of their own drum. They do their own thing. Um, they work at their own pace and they're not under any pressure or obligation. So they're pretty much a wild card. Like you can jump, go down the rabbit hole and check out all the conspiracy theories and focus on the non-music stuff and and have fun with that and all their crazy like misinformation as well. I think that's really exciting. Um, I I think the best bands usually are able to mix those two things like the misinformation and, and just being, um, just mysterious I guess like you take Radiohead you're like who knows what Radiohead's going to do next or how they're going to release their next album or how they're going to connect with audiences but with Tool it's like they they've been doing that since like day one so I really respect that and I like that they bring that to music and I'm glad I I figured out or got to see who Maynard was like he always always a mystery to me but this week I've seen the interviews and and hearing him talk a lot more especially with those Joe Rogan podcasts um yeah, I have a totally different appreciation for it now. So So, yeah, I say they're essential,
0: but wait a minute. Hold on. You say like both of those albums are essential.
2: Both of them. Um, If, if I have to be choosy, I'll say, I'll say um, I'm more likely to come back to Anima. I do like a lot of the songs on uh, Lateralis, but I thinking of my history in the past i only listened to it once this week to get through it and listening to it in the past i've probably only listened that album maybe two or three times altogether although it's one of those things where it's like if i do want to listen to more tool like it's probably going to reward re-listening it and revisiting those albums so it's hard to say like it's not essential i I don't like it but at the same time it's like i i think anima is the one that is the essential if i had to pick one tool album to to take with me
0: yeah yeah like almost like It's better to digest from coming from like, you know, regular radio music. It's better to digest Onoma first. If you start right away with lateralis, you might like uh, just be soured by. Yeah. Get tripped up a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, yeah,
2: I guess another three for three.
1: Yeah. So check out. So check out Tool and Onoma.
2: Yeah, I just didn't want to give out, like, the cop-out answer that I gave last week where I was like, yeah, Pearl Jam's, like, you got to respect them, but, like, I don't really listen to them. But with this, I think think it was a different week, and I I think I'll probably end up listening to more Tool going forward than I will, like, Pearl Jam.
1: I think the difference there would be Tool is just so much more unique and so much more of a rarity in the music world. Yeah, I think you're right. um, It's kind of something different that it's going to bring, if you've never heard Tool before, it's going to bring you something new, whereas... If you haven't heard Pearl Jam before, you've probably heard many bands that are similar, and that makes sort of yeah. rock, alternative rock, rock music.
0: Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, uh, "Wish List" that song was popping in my head from listening to Pearl Jam last year. <laughs> it's like right. the one song I was like, these lyrics still make sense. <laughs> but yeah, for me,
2: was what's that one song that's after? Um, a weird tangent, but what was that one drumming uh, on that Yield album where it's like the it's Red just Dot? the drummer yeah the red dot that song was in my head for like the whole weekend after I don't even know why but Weirdest yeah. Track. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, wrap it up? yeah I guess we'll wrap it up uh, thanks for joining us this week on the essential elements podcast um, join us next week when we talk about uh, what are we talking about again
1: uh, my bloody valentine's loveless there you go. Going from um, looking into our heads to looking to our shoes.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. Dive into the shoegaze. Another influential sound for sure. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, and, uh, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, like, Hopefully like, see you like, next week. Like, like and subscribe. Like, <laughs> like, comment. And also, I haven't checked with these guys. I hope it's okay. Shout out to my friend's podcast, Ethan on Action. If you like action movies, check, check it, it out. out. And Ryan, yeah. Ryan's YouTube channel, if you want some music or drum lessons. I do stuff uh, on YouTube. Yeah.
2: <laughs> original music by original music by Ryan Dugall and uh, artwork by Vincent Train. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you later.